0: our transform series we're going to be looking at relational health and specifically we're going to look at how fears ruin our relationships fears have been ruining relationships since the beginning of creation uh, at creation God created Adam and put him in the garden of Eden it was a perfect paradise for Adam and everything he needed everything he wanted except a mate and God recognized that it wasn't good for the man to be alone and so he made Eve and presented her to Adam And things started off really great for Adam and Eve. In fact, they were the first and only couple to ever enjoy a perfect relationship. And they enjoyed that perfect relationship until Satan comes to Eve to deceive her and asks, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? But God didn't say they couldn't eat from any tree. God said they couldn't eat from one tree. The minimum amount of temptation, one choice, you can't eat from one tree. In fact, uh, Satan came to him and said, you know, God is lying to you. If you eat from that tree, uh, you're not going to die. In fact, if you eat from that tree, you will become like God. In fact, that's at the root of every temptation, this idea that you want to be God. Satan never tempts you to become like him. Satan never says, if you do this temptation, you'll be evil, just like me. No, he says, if you do this, God's old-fashioned. God's out of date. You know better than God what you should do. And Eve fell for that lie, hook, line, and sinker. We see the the account in Genesis chapter 3. Let's read it on the screen in your outline. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. This is when shame entered into the world. Up to this point, they had been innocent, and now they're ashamed. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And so now we see pain and tension and stress coming into the relationship, even a struggle for control between the husband and the wife. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Before sin, work was a pleasure. After sin, work is a struggle. It's hard. Now, in this story, we see three fundamental fears that enter into every relationship. Since the fall, every relationship, every marriage, every friendship, every small group, every workplace has these three fears that affect the relationships. First fear we learn is this. The fear of exposure makes me distant. The fear of exposure makes me distant so I can't get close to people. You know, I'd like to be closer to my wife. You might say, I'd like to be closer to my husband. I'd like to have the intimacy of a relationship. Why can't I get close to the people in my life? Because there are things that you know about you that you don't like about you. And because you don't like those things about you, you don't want anybody else to know them. And so we keep people at a distance for fear of exposure. We're afraid that if people truly know us, if they see us for who we really are, they will reject us. Genesis 3.9, the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now whenever God asks a question like, Where are you? God is not asking for his benefit. Trust me, God knew exactly where Adam was. God was asking the question for Adam's benefit. He wants Adam to own up to the fact, to confess the fact that he is hiding. And any transformation in any area of your life, especially in your relationships, only happens when you own up to the fact that you are distant from people and that you're hiding. As long as you think, oh, everything's just fine. My marriage couldn't be any better. My friendships are just fine like they are. As long as you're in denial, there's no recovery. As long as you're in denial, there's no transformation because it starts with owning up, being honest to God, honest with ourselves, that our relationships are not what they could be. Circle the phrase, I was afraid and I hid, and draw a line together because those two always go together. Fear always causes us to hide. So what are you hiding from because of your fear? You know, what, what are you pretending isn't a problem in your marriage? What are you pretending isn't a problem in your relationships? Because you're afraid of facing the truth. God doesn't want you to fake it. He wants you to face it. Circle the phrase, I was naked. But Now, there's more than physical nakedness here. This is an emotional nakedness as well to be naked means to be vulnerable to be open to be transparent and when we are afraid of vulnerability when we're afraid of letting people see who we really are my fear of exposure makes me distant now one of your deepest needs is the need to be loved and one of your deepest fears is the fear of rejection And those two, your deepest need and your greatest fear, work together to create tension in your life. That's why you can live with a husband, you can live with a wife for 50 years, and there are things about you that you have never let them know. Because you're afraid that if you let them know, you'll be rejected. Now look at the damage that this fear does in a relationship. First, it brings shame Once Adam and Eve disobeyed God, shame entered their relationship. And when you disobey God, shame enters your relationships. Verse 7, their eyes were opened to their nakedness. Before they were innocent. Now they're ashamed, embarrassed. Shame makes me feel nervous, self-conscious. It makes me fearful of being humiliated. What happens when we feel ashamed? We try to conceal who we really are. We hide our true selves. Adam and Eve felt shame, and so they moved to try to cover up. Verse 7b says, So they sewed fig leaves together to cover up themselves. They used fig leaves. We're far more sophisticated in our attempt to cover ourselves. You know, what do we use to cover ourselves? Well, some of us use humor. You know, you'll become the class clown, and you're very popular, but you never let anybody close to you. You're using humor as a way to provide cover for yourself. Some people use image to cover up their insecurities. They present an image that they have it all together. They've got the right clothes. They've got the right hair. They've got the right accessories. You project an image that you've got it all together. But behind the facade, you don't have it together at all. It's just a cover-up for your shame. Third thing, verse 8, is a distance from God. It says, Then they hid from God among the trees. Fear causes us to disconnect from other people and that's why we have relationship problems with people. Fear causes us to disconnect from God and that's why we have relationship problems with God. So the first fear of being exposed causes me to be distant with God and with other people. Second fear we see here. It's my fear of disapproval makes me defensive. We move from hiding and covering up to being defensive, actually even going on the offense and attacking. We're we're not just hiding anymore. Now we're hurling. We're not just excusing ourselves. We're accusing others. We say, well, yeah, I I did this, but you did that. And we move from hiding to hurling, from excusing to accusing. And the more critical a person is, the more you know they fear disapproval. The more critical, the more perfectionistic, the more attacking, the more I fear disapproval in my own life, the more disapproval I I put on you. verse 12, God asked Adam, Did you eat what I told you not to eat? And instead of just saying yes, Adam said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit, so I ate it. And if you notice, Adam isn't just blaming Eve, really he's blaming God. He says, you gave me this woman, and she gave it to me, and I ate. He's shifting the responsibility, shifting the blame as far back as he can. Ladies, I'm sorry, Eve doesn't do much better. Verse 13, Eve said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So Adam blames his wife, and his wife blames the snake. Why? Because my fear of disapproval makes me defensive. And, and this happens in your marriage, it happens in your relationships all the time. I mean, if you get a hint of disapproval from, from someone, well, what's our natural reaction? Our natural reaction is to get defensive. And you either explain it away, or you attack back. You either excuse it, or you accuse. Now none of that is productive. In fact, over time, it can degrade and destroy a relationship. Third fear that we see in Adam and Eve... My fear of losing control makes me demanding. The result of Adam and Eve's sin is they lost control. They lost control of their bodies. They lost control of their work. They lost control of their environment. They lost control of their future and their destiny. They lost control of everything. And the more out of control you feel, the more controlling you become. The more out of control I feel in my own life, the more controlling I become of everybody else. I start bossing everybody else around and telling them what they need to do and making demands. Because if you're a secure person, you don't have to always get your own way. You don't have to be in control. But if you're insecure, the more out of control you feel, so the more controlling you become. And we see that in verse 16. God says to Eve, "'Your desire will be for your husband.'" And he will rule over you. And the idea here is, is that Eve will try to control Adam and Adam will try to control Eve. This is where the war of the sexes began right here. I mean, all the misunderstanding between men and women, husbands and wives, all the confusion, conflict, jockeying for power, all the scorekeeping, the bargaining, all who's going to be in control and run this thing, all goes back right here to, the, to this sin. And it's not a whole lot of fun to be in that kind of relationship. It's not fun to be in a relationship where you're fighting with each other instead of fighting for each other. It's hard to be in a relationship where you're competing for control rather than cooperating toward the same goal. So what's the antidote that relieves a relationship from these three fears? What's the antidote to being distant, defensive, and demanding? Only one. Only one antidote. Write this down on your outline. You've got to learn to live in God's love. That's the antidote. I learned to live in God's love. Why? Notice 1 John 4, 18. It says, There is no fear. Where? In love. There is no fear in love. So if you want to get rid of that fear in your relationship, if you want to get rid of fear in your career, if you want to get rid of fear in your education setting, you've got to live in God's love. Because God's perfect love drives out all fear. The opposite of fear is not faith. The opposite of fear is love. Because when God's love comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door. Fear and love can't live in the same house. And whenever you're afraid, it's not that you don't have enough faith, you just don't understand how much God loves you. You're not living in God's love because perfect love drives out, casts out, All fear. So I got to learn to live in God's love because fear has to do with punishment. I mean, how many times have have you been afraid to tell the truth about yourself and and to let yourself truly be seen because you're afraid of the consequences? You're afraid of, of, of the negative reaction, afraid of the punishment. How many times have you uh, had a friend and you knew there was something wrong in their life, you, you, you tell them almost all the truth, but you just hold back on, on, on that last 10% that's probably the biggest part they need to hear because you're afraid if you tell them they're going to reject you. You're holding back out of the fear of, of negative consequences, fear of rejection, fear of punishment. So how do you learn to live in God's love? Three things. If you do these three things, it will transform your relationships. Number one, every day I surrender my heart to God. Every morning when you wake up, you just say, God, before I start this day, I just surrender my emotions to you. God, I want you to control my mind. I want you to control my heart. I want you to control my intellect. I want you to control my emotions. Why do you do that? Because you want God to fill your heart, your emotions with his love. Because God's love drives out all fear. If you want to get rid of your fears, you've got to live in God's love. Because God's love casts out worry, anxiety, insecurity. Job 11, verses 13 through 18. This is is a great verse, a great verse. Listen to this. Surrender your heart to God, turn to him in prayer. And give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Then you won't be ashamed. You will be confident and fearless. Your troubles will go away like water beneath a bridge. And your darkest night will be brighter than noon. Then you'll rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. In this passage, there are three, three commands, three premises, and eight promises. Three commands, three premises in that verse. First, surrender your heart to God. God, I give you my emotions. Second, you turn to Him in prayer. You connect yourself to the wisdom of God through prayer. And third, you give up your sin. That's confession. Even the ones you're doing in secret. Now, why are those three things so important? Because it's important to surrender your heart, to surrender your emotions to God. Because if you try to build a relationship on a broken heart, you're building on a weak, unstable foundation. It won't hold. I mean, are you trying to build a relationship on a broken heart? You need to surrender that broken heart to God and let Him heal it, make it whole. Why is it important to turn to God in prayer? Because you need to connect yourself to the wisdom of God relationships are difficult you need all the wisdom you can get and you get wisdom you get the mind of christ through prayer then why is it important to confess your sins even those you do in secret because holding on to sin breaks your relationship with god and if if your relationship with god is broken it it breaks your relationships with other people So for a marriage, a friendship, even a work relationship to work, it's got to be built on a heart that is surrendered to God. You surrender your emotions. It's got to be built on a mind that has the wisdom of Christ. And it's got to be built on the purity that comes from confession. Otherwise it won't stand. It's going to collapse. But you build on a healthy heart that's connected to the wisdom of Christ and a heart that's been made pure through the confession of sin, and then you enjoy these eight benefits. I mean, look at these. You won't be ashamed. You will be confident. You will be fearless. Your troubles will be like water under the bridge. Your darkest night will be brighter than noon. You will rest safe and secure. You will be filled with hope. You will be emptied of worry. I mean, anybody want that? I mean, look what God is offering us. I mean, this verse is so powerful that I had it printed up on this card. It's in your worship folder. Because I want you just to have this verse. I'd encourage you, put this on your nightstand. You wake up in the morning, first thing you do is read through this. You know, put it on the dashboard of your car, put it on your desk, put it somewhere where every day you can do these three commands and you can reap the benefit of those eight promises. I mean, this will transform your relationships right here. This would be a great goal for the next 90 days. Your relational goal is just to read and do this every day. It'll change your life. Number two, every day, if I'm going to live in God's love, every day I remember the way God loves me. You just pause every day and remember the way that God loves you. Because if you don't feel loved by God, you're not going to have love to give to other people. So I remind myself every day, what does God think about me? Not what does everybody else think about me, not even what do I think about me, but what does God think about me? On your notes, four things. First, I am completely accepted. The deepest wounds in your life are those caused by rejection. We spend so much of our life's energy trying to earn acceptance from our parents, from our peers, from perfect strangers. We want to be accepted. And we think, if I could just be good enough, if I could just be perfect, then everybody would like me. I've got bad news for you. Jesus is perfect. Not everybody likes him. You know, no matter who you are or what you do, somebody's not going to like it. And so you need to realize that this issue of acceptance has already been settled by God. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What Jesus Christ did on the cross made you acceptable to God. God says, I am accepted in Christ. I just need to lay claim to that truth and break the stronghold, break the lie of Satan that I'm not going to measure up. It is not true. In Christ, I am completely accepted. Second thing, I need to recognize I am unconditionally loved. Two characteristics of God's love. It is consistent and it is unconditional. God's love is consistent. It's not fickle. It's not unpredictable. God doesn't say, I love you today and tomorrow you're out of luck. doesn't do that. You know, inconsistent love, inconsistent parents produce insecure kids. And there are a lot of us who grew up, we never knew where we were going to get hugs or slugs. And that insecurity made uh, insecure kids but God's love is consistent it is not fickle not only that it's unconditional god doesn't say i love you if i love you because i will love you when god says i love you period isaiah 54:10 my love for you will never end says the lord third thing I am totally forgiven. That's the power of confessing your sins. Even the ones you do in secret. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, that's the power of surrendering your heart. The power of confessing your sin is forgiveness. Now, how can God forgive your sin? How can God wipe out your unrighteousness because of what Christ did on the cross. Doesn't depend on you. It depends on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Your sins are wiped out. They are paid for. How long do you sweat a utility bill that's been paid? I mean if it's been paid it's gone it's done. I'm not worrying about that. Once you confess your sin Even the ones done in secret, it's paid, it's history, it's done, it's gone. God doesn't rehearse your sin. God erases your sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're confessing your sin, you are totally forgiven. Four, I am considered extremely valuable. I have value. I mean, how much do you think you're worth? Not your net worth, but but your personal worth. You know, uh, two things create value. Value depends on who owns something, and value depends on what someone is willing to pay for it. Value depends on who owns something. I mean, would you agree that a toothbrush owned by John Lennon would sell for more at auction than a toothbrush owned by me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, who owned something can give something every day, useless, very mundane. It can give it significant value just because of who owns it. Well, who owns you? The Bible says God owns you, it says you've been bought with a price paid for by Christ's death. Value depends on what somebody's willing to pay for it. Over the last few years, we've discovered this with our houses. You know, how much is your house worth? Well, your house is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. You know, it's only worth what they'll pay for it. Well, Christ paid for you with his blood, with his life. That's how much you're worth. The Son of God laid down his life for you. You belong to God, and Christ paid for you. You have value. So every day I remind myself, I'm completely accepted in Christ. I'm unconditionally loved by God. I'm totally forgiven and I'm considered extremely valuable. Third thing you need to do. Every day I offer that same love to other people. i got to offer that same love to other people. John 13, 34. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you circle that phrase in the same way now notice this is not an option Jesus doesn't say hey here's a great suggestion he says no this is a new what commandment this is a new commandment if you're a follower of Christ you must love everybody in the same way that Jesus loves you whether you like them or not whether they like you or not you've got to accept them completely Love them unconditionally, forgive them totally, and consider them extremely valuable. Jesus, this is what you've got to do. You've got to love everybody the same way I love you. Would that transform your relationships? Yes. Yeah, it will. Now, what does that look like? The, the answer is the last verse on your outline. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love never stops being patient. Love never stops believing. Love never stops hoping. Love never gives up. God never stops being patient with you. God never stops believing in you. God never stops hoping the best for your life. God never gives up on you. And that's what God expects you to do for everybody else. If you want to transform your relationships, you've got to learn to live in God's love. Let's pray together invite you just to pray this in, in your own heart and mind. Just say, God, I recognize my relationships are complicated. They're unhealthy. They're broken. God, I've settled for less than the best, and so I, my relationships need a transformation. God, I ask you today to deliver me from the, the fears that we've talked about that are making me distant, defensive, and demand, demanding. And so right now, I want to surrender my heart to you. Right now, God, I want want to surrender my emotions to you. I want to learn to live in your love. And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, this is your opportunity for Him to replace the shame of your sin with His love. Just ask Him to come into your heart and life, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to give you the righteousness of Christ, to make you His child, to receive you into His family. God sees the real you and He loves you. And God in Christ will accept you completely. He loves you unconditionally. He will forgive you totally as you confess your sin. And He has paid the highest price to save you. God longs to be in a deeply personal, emotional relationship with you. God, help me to never stop being patient to never stop believing, to never stop hoping, to never give up. God, help me to live my life in your love. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.